Hello and welcome to Africa Inc. I'm Alicia Sekum and this week we bring you some of the latest business news making headlines and take a closer look at what's been moving markets across the continent as well. Sven Rechter, who's Managing Director at Drakens Capital, gives us his take on the movers and shakers on some of Africa's major bosses. And with earnings season in full swing, it has been a results-heavy week with some of the continent's leading companies releasing their latest financials. Coupled with Sunlam's earnings report, though came the announcement of it going the whole hog with Saham Finances. It's picking up what it doesn't already own in the Moroccan-based insurer through its emerging markets division and says that the move will see Sanlam solidify its position as the continent's leading non-banking financial services firm. We caught up with Sanlam's emerging markets CEO, Junior Nkhlube, to give us the detail on that. And then Africa's largest mobile operator, MTN, has swung back into the black. That's as it leaves behind a hefty fine in its biggest market, Nigeria, which saw the company plunge into a loss in its 2016 financial year. CEO Rob Shooter will be running us through those numbers and taking us through what's in store for the operator moving forward. So that's what we have lined up, but let's kick things off with Bronwyn, who's standing by with the business news that made headlines this week. Thanks, Alicia. Well, starting off with a look at some company news. First Rand is cautiously optimistic that South Africa's new leadership will kickstart the economy. And with that, the country's banking sector. The lender has struggled to substantially grow earnings as a weak economy has hit investment and spending. For the first half, profit growth at the bank eased to 6%. That's compared to 14% rise in the previous period. First Rand has declared an interim dividend of 1 Rand 30, reflecting a 9% rise. Meanwhile, currency movements have weighed on Standard Bank's earnings, but Africa's largest lender by assets has still come out on top when compared to its peers. It's reported headline earnings per share growth of 14%, which on a constant currency basis rose 18%. Either way, though, this is well above the 2.2% rise Nedbank reported and the 4% decline announced by Barclays Africa. Standard Bank has declared a final dividend of 5 Rand 10, which takes the total dividend to 9 Rand 10, which is a 17% jump on the previous year's payout. Kenya's private sector has expanded at its strongest pace in close to two years. That's according to the Stanbeck Market Purchasing Managers Index, which accelerated to 54.7 index points in February. Companies say that they are seeing increased demand and so new orders, spurring corporates to begin hiring again. The comeback emerges as growth pressures ease. The Kenyan economy has been hampered by drought conditions in the region and election-induced political uncertainty. But now, Stanbeck, a unit of Africa's largest lender, Standard Bank, says that the services and agricultural sectors will stand as the strongest performers supporting Kenya's 2018 GDP growth. Uganda has done a U-turn on privatizing private sector pensions. That's as government seeks to protect its local firms from foreign competition in the financial services sector. All pension funds will continue to be managed under the National Social Security Fund, which has come under fire for mismanagement. Government previously pledged to privatize pensions in response to the criticism against the state body. Some officials argued that private firms are better at mobilizing contributions and so would further grow long-term capital in the country financial system. 
Rwanda expects growth of 6.5% this year. That's according to the country's central bank, which says better weather conditions will boost its farming sector. 70% of Rwanda's working population is employed in the agricultural space, which makes up around 33% of total GDP. Rwanda is still finalizing its 2017 growth figures, but the central bank says it will most likely be in line with expectations of a 5.2% rise. And Zimbabwe is the latest to join Mozambique, Zambia, Kenya and Botswana in banning imports of processed meat products from South Africa. The decision comes after South Africa's government said cold meat products from Tiger Brands Enterprise Factory were to blame for delays in tracing the cause of the world's worst listeria outbreak, which has killed 180 people in the past year. Here's more. Zimbabwe has joined several other African countries in banning imports of processed meats from South Africa after a deadly listeria outbreak in the country, the world's worst ever recorded. South Africa's government blames producers of cold meat products for delays in tracing the cause. 180 people have died in the past year. Shares in the country's biggest food firm, Tiger Brands, tumbled after a discovery that one of its meat products called Poloni was linked to the outbreak. They've denied a direct link. The South African government said it was investigating a factory owned by RCL Foods that makes a similar product too. Both companies, which say they are cooperating with authorities, have suspended processed meat products at their plants. Almost 950 cases of listeria have been reported since January last year. It causes flu-like symptoms, nausea, diarrhea and infection of the bloodstream and brain. Despite being present in South Africa for over a year, the source of the outbreak wasn't found until preschool children fell ill from eating Poloni products traced to processed meat producers. Since then, dozens of customers have been lining up outside a Tiger Brands outlets with bags of cold meat products demanding their money back. That's your news roundup. After the break, we dive into uh, some of the market's action on investor radar screens at the moment. So stay with us. Welcome back as we get into some of the key market trends and movements that played out this week. And joining us with that roundup is Sven Richter, Managing Director at Drakens Capital. Sven, thanks so much for joining Thank us you. today. Overall, we've had markets globally on edge with Trump's announcement of import tariffs of 25% on steel, 10% on aluminium, really triggering a whole lot of nervousness. How much of an impact on major markets in rest of Africa? Well, I think it does make all markets across the globe nervous, as you say, because people really don't know, and it changes the playing field. Um, the Europeans have been making quotes like, this is silly, this is silly, this is silly, we're going to put qu you know, quotas on blue jeans and Harley Davidsons or something like that. You know, Africa is difficult to say how it will you know, play out. Now, Africa, I doubt, is going to get any special circumstances to export to the U.S., so we might be close to the U.S., but at the same time, you might find that people in Europe and in Asia prefer to buy from somewhere other than the U.S., so it might not be bad, but it's difficult to say out and create some sort of nervousness there, yes. Bearing in mind also that n uh, you know, none of the African countries are on the list of the 
top 10 exporters to the U.S. Uh, in the first place. So what they do import, one assumes, very, very minimal right now. Yes, exactly. And remember that a lot of what the U.S. imports from Africa, you know, we still have this challenge where we need to beneficiate our minerals more. So a lot of it is, is raw materials rather than steel or items like that as such. Mm -hmm. While we wait for things to unfold on that end, uh, focus uh, very specific this week on actual news items that mm -hmm. filtered through on the company news front. Kenya Commercial Bank over in Kenya reporting uh, flat earnings. It's blamed the controversial interest rate cap and staff restructuring for narrowly missing analysts' expectations. Uh, in your books, was it a fair set of numbers given that Kenya's economy did grow at a far slower pace than it did in 2016. Yeah, well, I mean, we think it was fair. We think it was quite important because this was the first of the big banks to report. So it gives us a bit of a signal for what's happening in the market. Um, so firstly, it shows nothing really major, you know, so we, we're comfortable as such. Um, yes, economy a bit slower, but remember there's this long protracted period of elections. You know, the elections and more elections and then, you know, more court cases and everything. And that we know that slows the economy, you know. So looking forward to next year and the next year, we think the economy will grow. But when we say it's slowed, I mean, it's slowed. It's still did like over 5% GDP growth probably for 2017, you know. So... It's not, not, not terrible, but it was slower as such. One of the things that we saw playing out in that was bad debts were up. Yeah. Okay, so people just couldn't really, you know, afford to pay everything, so bad debts up. Non-performing loans moving from 7.9% to 8.5%. Yes, which is, which, is, which is significant, but once again, it's something that the bank can handle and not something that we're worried about in terms of the bank, but, but it was significant, we think, driven by the, by the country, actually. But the bigger thing, and I, I know I'm going on quite a bit here, but is actually the interest rate cap. The interest rate cap is very important because, remember, it was done so that people in Kenya could borrow because you would cap mm. the top interest rate as such. But, you know, it's all this law of unintended consequences because what happens is the banks go, well, now it's risky to lend to people and we're not getting the, the, the return to lend to people. So let's just take the money and put it in government debt instead. We still make our money. We're very comfortable, but people can't get access to credit. And I mean, the numbers that were released are quite mm. um, illustrative of what you're saying yes. right now, because loans to the private sector grew 2.4% of GDP in December 2017, compared to 24% in the mid-2014 uh, period. Exactly. Look, in that 24%, there might have been some driving factors behind also, you know, property prices are moving up, everyone was trying to get a property, and that's all, all sort of tapered off a little bit now. So it wouldn't necessarily have gone up so much. But yes, people do need access to credit in order to grow their businesses, buy houses, and things like that. So where are expectations sitting as far as a possible repeal or reworking of this interest rate cap is involved? Well, it's interesting because, you know, the IMF's been talking to Kenya, and they've been saying, okay, we need to repeal it. But then they've been trying to think that we'll repeal it on the bottom end rather so we'll, we won't cap what people can pay people in deposits. But they actually need to look at the top end as well to, to widen it up a little bit and make it more attractive for banks to actually lend money to people. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you've got East African breweries tapping further into market mm -hmm. opportunity. It's completing a new Senator factory in July next year which will up its uh, current supply to 20,000 bars across the country uh, to another 4,000 bars. I mean, how significant a move is this for the group? Well, I mean, look, 20,000 bars that they provide with the Senate. And Senate is an important um, beer for them because it, it helps people move away from the informal market. And the informal market can be quite dangerous because you have people in the backyard brewing mm -hmm. something and you don't know what's in it, a little bit of battery acid or a few other things to give you a kick. You know, so Senate is much better. Okay. Um, it also brings the beer into the excise net so the government can, can get some revenue from it as well. But from 20 to 24,000, you know, it's a 20% increase that they think they're going to see, not necessarily 
tomorrow, you know, the, the mm. it's only going to be finished next year, the brewery, and it's going to come over the next couple of years. But it shows you at what pace they believe the market in Kenya is growing in general. Yeah, and uh, also focus will be on them being able to make those deliveries as well. That seems to be proving to be quite a battle for Dangote, saying that traffic gridlocks in Lagos is costing its sugar and salt companies five million U.S. dollars a year. Are we seeing that impact Dangote's uh, share prices, you know, that group of companies' share prices at all actual valuations? Well, I don't think you see it because, remember, this has been built in. It's been built in forever. Okay, obviously, traffic <laughs> is getting worse because there are more and more cars. And, and actually, the, the, the Navy called an urgent meeting because they're battling to get around Lagos and they wanted to, like, figure out ways to reduce, you know, traffic congestion. I don't know how successful they're going to be because... People make money, they buy cars, and there's more traffic. Okay, So it's not like there's a cost that they didn't have before. This is a cost that they had built into their, their balance sheet. But just shows you, though, if you can reduce the traffic congestion in some way, mm. what type of value you unlock you can give to companies. And Dagoti is just the one that's quantified it. It's every company in Lagos Absolutely. that could be having a benefit. I guess we'll have to watch and see how soon it is before sugar and salt gets sold at the side of the street, right? Let's leave it there, Sven. Thanks so much Thank for you. having joined us today. Of course, Sven Richter is Managing Director of Drakens Capital. Up next, Sunlam is vying for the top spot in Africa's insurance space, while MTN is seeing a better 2018 with less impairments and more investments. So stay tuned for that. So we've had some of Africa's largest companies publish their earnings reports this week. And coming up, we hone in on just two of them. One, looking to further solidify its Africa presence, and the other, whose entrenched footprint is already paying off. First up, South African financial services group, Sanlam. It's bought the remaining 53% of Saham finances that it doesn't already own through its subsidiary, Sanlam Emerging Markets. It's forked out $1 billion to secure the deal, and Business Day TV caught up with the group's emerging market CEO, Junior Nkolube, to give us more of the detail on, on how Saham fits into its stable and just how much leverage it affords the business in its pursuit of uh, business in the rest of Africa. We, we've been partners now for two years, uh, starting from 2016 when we did the first tranche and then the second tranche in 2017 and now the final uh, tranche. Uh, it fits in very well with our with our Pan-African vision, and what is actually interesting is we, we shared exactly the same vision. Uh, Saham had vision to build a Pan-African uh, operation, which we had, and now combined, owning 100%, we continue with that vision to build the leading Pan-African financial services group. And having Saham on board gives us access now to 33 countries in Africa. Synergies between Saham and your other African businesses? The synergies we have, particularly between us and Saham, it's actually incredible because there is very little overlap geographically. Uh, only four countries out of the potentially 38, because they were in 19 and we were in 19. 
that's outstanding. Secondly, they are largely a general insurance business, uh, probably 85% GI. And one of the areas we're working together on is to build the life side of their business in their territories. Uh, that's very key under synergies. They also in turn have a very good uh, health offering. Uh, we are going to be working with them. This has started in our former part of the world to uh, introduce health, a strong health offering. They also have a very strong assistance business, uh, which includes travel. Again, we're bringing it to our part of the world. So it's not only one way, it's two ways. Uh, they, they have uh, areas within the synergies where they are helping us. And then there's, of course, the reinsurance part. Uh, again, we'll be working with them in terms of synergies there. Is, is this a well-known brand in the countries where it operates? Would you look at changing that branding to use the Sunlum brand? We have the right to use the brand, the brand for eight years. Uh, and between now and then, it's up to us to decide. Uh, but definitely in, in Morocco, it is a strong brand. It's well established. They rebranded in all the countries quite recently. So it, it is a, and, and there are strong companies where they operate. So with time, we'll decide what to do there. So how, how did the stake that you already owned in Saham contribute to the 2017 earnings? What sort of performance did they put in? Excellent. They have matched the original business case in terms of performance. And also in terms of uh, diversification by business line, it has helped us up our proportion of general insurance business in our portfolio. Quite complementary. There were a couple of weak spots, though, in the emerging markets business in 2017. Kenya was one of those, Malaysia was another. What, what steps have you taken, or corrective steps have you taken in those businesses? Malaysia is an ongoing uh, fixing uh, issue. We, we know what the issues are. We need to continue with the diversification of our uh, P&O business. As you know, there were a monoliner doing only two-wheelers or motorcycles, as we call it, in our part of the world. We are helping them diversify into private motor and other non-life uh, classes of business. Yes, it's taking a little bit longer than we would have liked, but coming from a monoliner to a multiliner, it, it, it takes a bit longer. Uh, the life business is about distribution. We are transforming the distribution network, among other things. And again, we, we want to see the results coming through. Okay. Uh, Kenya, Kenya is a different story. We, we have a small GI business, which we are busy building up, uh, it, it is growing, it's begun to show an underwriting profit in 2017, which is quite pleasing. And the life business actually exceeded budget in 2017, but with an unfortunate investment loss uh, around Nakumat, it's a, a, a retail chain in Kenya, which went into receivership. If it wasn't for that, the operating side of the life business had done reasonably well. But there's still some work to do in, in Kenya. Mm. Junior, are you looking at any more bolt-on acquisitions? I know the Sunlam does sit with two billion rand in discretionary capital. Will you be looking for more bolt-on bolt -on acquisitions across the continent? Our, our objective is to be number one, two or three, particularly in our key markets. And this we will achieve by bolt-on uh, acquisitions. We just completed an integration uh, in, in Uganda. We bought the Lion uh, Assurance Company. We've uh, integrated it with our Ugandan business. They are now probably number three by now, could end up number two pretty soon. 
we are looking in other territories as well for port on operations. Yes, you are correct in that respect. That was Junior Nkhulube, who's CEO of Sanlam Emerging Markets. Uh, meanwhile, Africa's largest mobile operator, MTN Group, has swung back into the black, reporting headline earnings per share of 1.82 South African rands from a loss of uh, 77 cents previously. It's highlighted good underlying operational performance for 2017, but earnings were still negatively impacted by several once-off and non-cash post-tax items, while currency swings dealt a further blow. So, looking at group service revenue, the, report, the, the reported number actually declined 10.8%. And I caught up with its CEO, Rob Shooter, and started off with a focus on how much of that pressure is now a thing of the past. In general, it was a strong year. Uh, service revenue and constant currency up 7-odd percent. Um, the large one-offs we had... You know, basically the largest ones are things like uh, interest on the Nigerian fine, foreign exchange losses, hyperinflation, um, some of the charges for our BE schemes, the Kela Futi. Um, most of the large ones, uh, you know, should, should not reoccur in 2018. Of course, obviously, for, you know, foreign currency can move around. But, you know, we're really looking for um, a much more kind of normal, predictable year in 2018 without so many one-source. I asked the question, Rob, because uh, you've seen a 34.2% improvement in data revenue or 19.4% on a reported basis and then 14.2% growth in digital services revenue. And while that did uh, come in negative on a reported basis, one still wonders how sustainable uh, growth numbers like these are so that you can more fully leverage off it moving forward. Uh, we have big dreams for our uh, data and uh, digital businesses. Um, you know, if you look at that data revenue for the group, 34%, you know, one of the, the, the bigger markets, South Africa, growing at 26 that, That's a pretty good performance if you look at where, where the competition is. But if you look at some of our larger markets that are still at an earlier stage of adoption, for example, South Africa, data revenue grew 87%. Um, in the Iran sales, 66%. Uh, markets like Ghana, 51%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we still think there's a lot of uh, room still to progress in, in the data business and also, in fact, in the digital business. Having said that, amidst the tough economic and operating conditions, regulatory challenges have set up numerous hurdles, and you alluded to the obstacles you faced over in Nigeria in particular. What's your assessment of the regulatory landscape for a player like MTN in rest of Africa? Well, I think, you know, one of the challenges we have is that um, there's not really any harmonization of regulation across our markets. So, you know, that brings a lot of complexity. You know, in 22 markets, different countries have different rules for, you know, registering subscribers, how frequencies are allocated or charged, uh, you know, registration of SIMs for mobile money. So we need to make sure that we're very much, uh, you know, on top of this, both in the opcos uh, and in group. So I think that's challenge number one, uh, you know, lack of homogeneity across the markets. Um, and I think challenge number two is that we are essentially operating in a converged business where we move through not just, you know, your traditional, uh, you know, mobile telephony, but increasingly now into financial services and also communications. So, you know, we also have to master a, a range of regulatory issues across those disciplines. But I feel, you know, we've got a good grasp of it. We've brought some good skills on board. And, and I believe we can be successful in these markets while, you know, keeping on the right side of the, the relevant regulation.
Of course, it's imperative because along with that regulatory pressure, you've got the markedly weaker, uh, and let's use Nigeria as an example, a, a markedly weaker Naira to contend with and hard currency liquidity challenges as well. To what extent are you seeing improvement on those fronts, uh, Rob? Because, uh, you know, you've got very ambitious targets set for Nigeria in particular moving forward with double-digit constant currency service revenue growth uh, expected to come through from Nigeria versus mid single-digit growth right here in South Africa? Yeah, you know, so Nigeria really had a, a, a major event with the devaluation of the Naira. You know, particularly if you look at it against the U.S. dollar, it went from, you know, around 180 to around 360. Um, this is going back now into 2016. You know, so essentially the currency halved uh, against uh, benchmark currencies. Um, actually, in the last, you know, seven or eight months, the Naira has been very stable. Uh, the, the regulators in Nigeria have, have opened up a, another option for, uh, uh, for entities to uh, buy dollars in the Nigerian market, what we call the, the NAFIX uh, window. And the last seven, eight months, we've seen basically pretty stable currency, and we've been able to buy the hard currency we need to pay for things like uh, technical equipment, um, etc. And also, you know, we see an improving macro environment in Nigeria with the oil price recovering, you know, some positive sentiment coming back in. So we're pretty positive about uh, the prospects for, for Nigerian macro in the, in the years ahead. Within that context, full-year capital expenditure coming in at 31.5 billion rand. It's slightly ahead of the 30 billion uh, that you had previously guided. Where are you putting capital to work and where does that take you now through 2018? So we had a very big year in South Africa. So of that 31.5, we spent 11.5 billion in SA. So that's about a third of the group's capex in one market. Um, and for sure in South Africa, you know, we are super committed to having the best network in the country. And I think we really have built that. If you look at the, the most recent P3 tests, um, we have a real significant advantage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're pleased that actually the money we, set, uh, we put to work is showing, uh, showing the results. Um, Nigeria also is a big market for us. That was about 9 billion rand uh, in the year. So about two-thirds goes into the two largest markets, and then you know, the other third is, is spread across the other geographies. That was Rob Shooter, CEO of MTN. And that's where we leave things with you for this week. But you can catch us same time, same place next week. From me, Alicia Seckham, and the rest of the team, it's goodbye for now.